growing green to generate more green. Welcome to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman. Each week we plant the conversational seeds about cultivation and the changing climate of cannabis culture. We'll peel back the layers of benefits of the world's most versatile plant, from food to fuel, from remedy to resource. CannabisRadio.com proudly presents The Grow Show with your host, multi-award-winning grow master and respected cannabis consultant, Kyle Cushman. A heartfelt hello and welcome to all you open-minded, fair dinkum type of playful pranksters. This is The Grow Show and I'm your host, Kyle Cushman. The topic of today's show, the end of prohibition. I'm talking about the all-out legalization of lovely Mary Jane. What will that mean to all of us? To some it will mean jobs, even financial independence, much in the way the cannabis industry has always provided, except now without the fear of imprisonment greater access to people who need it, even for those who just want it. I'll always consider marijuana medicine, but no longer will anyone need to be classified as sick to get a recommendation to use it. No more stigmatization, so mothers and fathers and grandparents can use it to heal themselves. Cannabis is as much about wellness as it is about an altered state of consciousness. To help us flesh out this discussion, I've invited a very special guest. His name is Robert Jacob. And he's deeply involved in the retail end of cannabis as the CEO of Spark, San Francisco Patients and Resource Center. He's also the executive director of Peace in Medicine. Peace in Medicine is a cooperative dispensary in Sebastopol, California, which was formed in 2007. In 2012, Robert joined the Sebastopol City Council, and in 2013, he was chosen as its mayor. Robert Jacob was the first person from the medical marijuana industry to become mayor of an American city, as quoted in the New York Times. Welcome, Robert, and thank you so much for taking the time to do the show. Thanks for having me, Kyle. It's great to be here. I've been looking forward to this opportunity. Oh, man. It's been a little while since we've hung out together now that I live in SoCal, and you're living in lovely NorCal, but I want to acquaint the listeners to our previous relationship. Back in 2008, when I was first coming up with my veganic cannabis, I was vending to Peace in Medicine, and I believe that's how we originally met. Yes, God. I know the staff misses your uh, cheeriness coming through the dispensary. A wonderful uh, patron provider uh, for the dispensary and the collective up here. Yeah, thank you. And you also gave me the opportunity to teach, which I did on a monthly basis. I would teach in your resource center there. Peace and Medicine is not just a dispensary for the city. It also provides a, a lot of ancillary resources as well. Yes, yeah, Peace and Medicine um, and uh, San Francisco Patient Resource Center operate as nonprofit collectives, therefore ensuring that all surplus of funds are reinvested uh, into the collectives through acupuncture, Reiki, massage therapy, free medicine, low-income uh, medicine programs, as well as compassion programs, to real uh, integral part of our uh, business model as nonprofit medical cannabis dispensaries under California state law that we reinvest surplus of funds into serving our, our patient collective. You guys are pioneers in my eyes, you know, um, doing it, as you say, nonprofit. It takes a lot of work and a lot of dedication, and still a little bit of stigmatization is still exists in the arena there. How long did you serve as mayor of Sebastopol? I served as mayor of Sebastopol for a one-year term. The council appoints its mayor uh, among the council elected representatives took on the task for a year and enjoyed that opportunity. But with the changes in cannabis, with legalization on the horizon, um, the reality of me focusing my resources and time on developing medical cannabis policy in the state, I'm looking 
at my role uh, in that opportunity became more of a priority than maintaining the mayor role. So therefore, I stayed on as a city council member and therefore have more time to focus on medical cannabis policy in our state. And that's exactly why I've got you here. You know, I, I really can't get over this. You're the mayor of one of the most gorgeous little cities I've ever seen. I mean, this is in the country, folks. Rolling hills of Northern California. There's farms and the air is clean. People are friendly and smile at each other. You even had great pizza. I mean, Mambo's. I mean, you eat at Mambo's, right? Uh, well, Mambo's is our local pizza. <laughs> I haven't been to Chicago, so I don't know how to compare it, but I hear it's right up there. No, I'm an East Coaster, and that is some New York-style pizza. It's truly the only good pizza I've ever found in California to this day. i got to ask you a couple more questions about being mayor. Did it feel like a special honor to be able to combine the two jobs of dispensary owner and mayor? Well, at first, it really wasn't intentional. At first, I decided to turn for office. We thought we'd go to door-to-door, raise a little money, get a couple volunteers, and educate community members on medical cannabis policy in the town. And suddenly the campaign picked up momentum and steam. And then we were the campaign that raised the most money ever in the city of Southville. Uh, we were the campaign that engaged the most volunteers ever, uh, received the most individual contributions under $10 from spousal community members ever. And then came in the second highest number of votes ever. Not just a medical cannabis advocate, but I think what people found um, was hope, was uh, somebody who comes from a predetermined or judged industry coming in and offering themselves honestly and wholly to support a community and engage it. And that really picked up momentum, and I think really helped people feel like, mm-hmm. I can do it too. I mean, it was a great opportunity really to engage community in an education process. So winning was a bit overwhelming. And then uh, becoming a vice mayor my first year and mayor the second year just really showed not only the electorate's position, my constituents' position, but then showed my council's position in their support for me. So that was a highly progressive and environmentalist community for me to come in and really represent business at a high level while being a true environmentalist and progressive was uh, highly honorable. And to engage public policy in a way that's a first. I don't know what, what more uh, I will do in my life to top it, but I, I look forward to it because it's going to be great. I really began looking up to you when I found out how involved you were in the legislative side of cannabis as opposed to just uh, owning a dispensary, which I think is a great service to the community. Last question about mayor before we move on to our topic. I just, I'm just curious. Did you have a primary goal when you got elected as mayor? Did you have a primary purpose or something that you thought, wow, now that I'm here, this is what I'd like to focus on? When coming on as mayor, I was certain that representing social equality and social justice, even at the city council level in a small town in Northern California, needed to be my priority and represented. It doesn't matter which community you're in or which disenfranchised community is being disenfranchised. To ensure that your representative that stands up for those communities, regardless of your personal opinion of those communities, was really the highest goal I have as an elected official every day, whether as mayor or as a city council representative. That sounds very well, very well spoken, and especially it, it just sounds like it sounds like Sebastopol. Sebastopol is really a beautiful place. What a great place for you to have such a great impact. So let's now get to the topic, which is the end of cannabis prohibition, and. Um, 
the first question that I, I want to ask you is from your perspective as former mayor and a current Sebastopol council member, someone who watches over the community, what would you say is the overall impact of legalization over prohibition? The biggest impact that I think we're going to see is financial. Whether you're talking about medical cannabis cultivators, growers, who are all patients being put through the criminal justice uh, system, uh, causing citizens' expense and government expense, processing those items. You don't, you don't specifically mean the, the monetary gain to be made from the industry. It's also the financial savings that, that our society is going to have in all those other ways. Well, I think that, yeah, I was definitely mentioning part A of the financial impact that, uh, that legalization implementation will have starts there, it continues to have an impact on finances of providing retail cannabis and manufacturing cannabis, um, and big industry uh, has a significant uh, financial impact on the process as well. But the piece that's getting missed most, and the people, the impact that we need to be most cautious of and make sure we're talking about repeatedly, is the small mom-and-pop cultivators, small farmers, small businesses. The local farming, we know about the Go Local campaigns, uh, and we need to continue to foster that in any legalization implementation plan. For me, the most important aspect of legalization moving forward is preserving the individual's right to cultivate their own medicine. Mom and pop may refer to a small business type, and that is very important to preserve as well. Even on the level of just personal consumption and personal use, you know, Arizona for a year or two allowed people to cultivate their own medicine. And now that they've opened up state-sponsored marijuana pot shops, they have re-criminalized it to cultivate your own medicine if you live within 20 miles of a pot store. And to me, that is absolutely ludicrous and nowhere near in the best interest of the public health and welfare. More so is in the state of California, under medical cannabis, we have created an economy for local farmers and small farmers. And through a statewide implementation process, to take that away to only individuals who can afford large application fees and even larger licensing fees, to move that economy to industrial-scale mega-grows versus the small farmers throughout Northern California and Southern California, to change the disbursement of that economy throughout a community and centralize it uh, into one entity will be highly disruptive to local economies. And I keep saying, I'm very clear about this in Sonoma County, that I honestly believe that cannabis is the number one economic agricultural crop in the county. The county still believes it's wine. But even if cannabis is second behind wine, the amount of economic studies and review that would take place if there was any change to policies around the wine industry or the grape growing industry would be huge. And for cannabis, we're just passing laws uh, without review, without understanding. And I fear that we're going to make a mistake and really hurt uh, the economies of middle class and working families throughout California if we're not careful in the crafting of, of this, this new law. I agree. You're so right. And um, there's so much debate. There's already five different proposed measures for legalization for the ballot in 2016. It seems to me like organizations are competing with each other, trying to get their propositions on the ballot. Wouldn't it be better if everybody pooled their resources, sat down in a room together, and stopped acting like 
Congress of the United States and, and butting heads? State level and the Congress, right? That is always the goal. But the fact that we have discourse, we have different people in the community with different opinions, that we're arguing about which initiative is best, is such progress. You know, we're in a place where we are dealing with abundance. And that's a problem to deal with when we're on the side of winning. And so, you know, we know we're on the side of winning. So if we stay with that power and we engage things fully and when we find the peace, we all fall in and support it, regardless if it's not perfect, then we will continue to win and stay on our path of ending this war. Right now, we got to take a quick break for our sponsors, and we will be right back with Robert Jacob. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. Your connection to quality cannabis insurance services is spelled K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R. That's Karcher Insurance. We have worked with ventures like cannabis for over 60 years. We're proud to represent over 50 companies with tailor-made cannabis plans for owners just like you to insure your product, your plants, and your pursuits. K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R spells out their full-service insurance services, ranging from commercial to bonds, to personal, from life to health, and more. Contact the team at CarcherInsurance.com and let our experience work for you. That's K-A-E-R-C-H-E-R Insurance.com. Contact Karen and the team at Karcher Insurance at 1-844-421-3560. That's 844-421-3560. Gondrepreneur.com, your guide to the cannabis business world. Gondrepreneur.com is a comprehensive resource for cannabis professionals and entrepreneurs. Download the Gondrepreneur app on your smartphone or tablet to catch up on cannabis industry news, scroll through our daily job listings, and learn about successful cannabis companies, executives, and investors. Gondrepreneur.com, helping Gondrepreneurs grow. Ignite the conversation on some trending topics along the Cannabis Radio social media network. Join our crew of thousands on our Cannabis Radio page on Facebook or at Canna Radio, C-A-N-N-A Radio on Twitter. Plus, look for our Facebook and Google Plus pages for all of our original programs and connect with Dr. Dina, Kyle Cushman, Dr. Mitch Earlywine, Nurse Heather, Doc Rob, the host of Gondrepreneur, and more. Connect with the growing Cannabis Radio social crusade at Canna Radio on Twitter or search for Cannabis Radio on Facebook, Google Plus, and Instagram and grow with us. Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Gushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Welcome back, everybody. This is The Grow Show, and I am your host, Kyle Cushman. I'm here today talking with Robert Jacob. He is the only person to ever be elected mayor of a city and also own a cannabis cooperative in the state of California. I just think it's a very stupendous honor, and I just I like being able to mention that. I love the pragmatist side of you. I feel that in order to, to get real things done, you have to be willing to compromise and you have to be somewhat of a pragmatist. And we definitely need more of that. I have a simplistic view. And I think that if we could just stop putting people in jail for possessing a plant, just simply decriminalize it and let things shake out from there, I think that that would work over time. Rather than trying to come up with a perfect law today 
to make everybody happy. Does that sound just a little naive? I love simplicity when it works. And whenever possible, we should pull back to simplicity, Mr. Christian. This item is, you know, I'm not in the details. I'm not in the drafting. So understanding the intricacies is there. Balancing Orange County's demands and wants for a law that can pass in California over Sonoma counties or Humboldt counties or Mendocino's is a task for somebody mighty. I'm grateful it's not me. Whoever is working on these initiatives and writing these and, and trying to, to meet the needs of everybody in one piece of law, I send them my well wishes and best of luck. <laughs> I agree. I know Gail and Jeff Jones are working on an initiative. I don't personally know the names of everybody else that's, that's fighting for this. And I really feel like everybody's on the same side. I just wish that resources could get pooled to get together. I'm not so worried like I was back Prop 19. I think that the electorate is on our side this time. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of nitpicking. Do you think that there'll be more than one ballot initiative that'll get on the ballot? Is that possible? Well, that really would be bad, right? That so would that, be That's bad. where we have competing initiatives hurt each other. Uh, really, I think the getting funding an initiative to not only get the signature needed to get it on the ballot, but to fund the process of winning takes a lot of financing. So I think really we're going to need to see ballot initiative that comes forward that has the funding and financing behind it to ensure its success in California. And the biggest problem in Prop 19 is it was underfunded. If Prop right. 19 just had a couple million dollars, it would have won. And now they're saying to win a California initiative in 16 that we're looking at upwards of 8 and $10 million that they need to pull together for financing. So where that money is, is going to be where we have the chance. And either we're going to fall in and support that item, that initiative, um, or we're not. And, and I'm, I'm waiting daily for the California legalization initiative to be unveiled. I will be glued to my desk for hours in anticipation. Of Me too, it. as will I. I just, I am fearful that you know, $2 million will be spent on each one, leaving each one flat, and the naysayers, speakers of fear, will come in and spend the money on the television commercials at the last moment, spread misinformation, and do us in once again. I'm not really afraid too much. I really think that momentum is on our side this time. What do you think? I really hope so, but I really don't want to mess up this time. So everything we've got that we can put at it to make it happen and ensure success because we know that the country follows California. and We need to get this battle won in California so the rest of the country can follow suit. Absolutely. Well, I'm feeling positive. So <laughs> I've got a few more questions here for you, Robert, that I'd, I'd like to get your opinion on. Do you think the end of prohibition on a federal level is inevitable? Absolutely. So if it's not this president, it's the next president. If it's not the next, it has to be the next. But it seems... It's coming along. We see major steps being taken. If a new president comes on as anti-cannabis, you know, how are they going to roll anything back? At some point, the government realizes that the people are out of compliance, and the only way to maintain control is to put them into compliance. We're on our way on that path. Absolutely. I believe it. Regardless of the party, I think that pot is becoming socially acceptable, maybe even mainstream before we know it. What do you think should be done with all the prisoners of pot? Well, we need to really look at their offenses and, you know, nonviolent crimes, crimes that are cannabis-specific, 
We need to go back and, and look at releasing those incarcerated members of our community. We're wasting hundreds of millions of dollars of taxpayers' money and ruining hundreds and thousands of families' lives by incarcerating individuals for the possession of a plant. And that is just critical as we move forward in this war on uh, ending cannabis prohibition. It's truly a scar on humanity in my eyes. And I think maybe a couple of generations after we stop locking up people for simply experimenting with an altered state of consciousness, uh, maybe we'll cure a disease or, or build a new dam or a bridge or something great because I think that we've been locking up a lot of our visionaries with this uh, drug war. I was wondering, in, in a real quick sense, do you think the end of prohibition will fundamentally change our society? I believe that any time government moves its position from incarcerating and punishing members of society to caring for and moving forward members of society um, is a fundamental change. Uh, the type of fundamental change that we need to see happening more in our society and even around the world. I couldn't agree more. I personally believe it won't be very long before cannabis is a normal, everyday part of American society and culture. And I look forward to it happening sooner rather than later. Um, we're <laughs> going to take, take our second break here real quick for our sponsors, and then we'll be back with Great Grows. The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman will return once we cultivate through this short commercial break. InternetMarketingNinjas.com is the online dojo of the highly trained and skilled Internet Marketing Ninjas. Disavow documents, reconsideration requests, Panda and Penguin penalties. Let our superior SEO ninjas confront all of your link-related issues. The Internet Marketing Ninjas are equipped to master any marketing exercise, content creation, authorship, link building, PPC, and more. Plus, build more buzz for your brand with our social media marketing strategy. Discover all that the Internet Marketing Ninjas can do for you. Visit the online dojo now at internetmarketingninjas.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. The smoke is rising, and the next crop of podcasts devoted to cannabis providers and enthusiasts are ready to be harvested. Welcome to the Cannabis Radio Network, founded by respected rainmakers who have been producing award-winning podcasts for over a decade. Industry headlines, business updates, medical reports, marketing, and e-commerce education rolled up perfectly for your consumption. Let's grow together. The Cannabis Radio Network. CannabisRadio.com Time to plant some more conversational seeds. You're listening to The Grow Show with Kyle Cushman, only on CannabisRadio.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back. Now it's time for the final segment of the show that I like to call Great Grows. Each week, I make sure to share some practical tips that I've learned about cultivating the weed we all need. This week's topic is growing outdoors without bothering your neighbors. 
And Robert, I was wondering if you had uh, any interesting tips or anecdotes to share about uh, stories you had while uh, governing the city of Sebastopol, which is a wonderful city for growing outdoors. Not everybody in the city loves marijuana, and I'm sure there were some disagreements about people being able to smell it, people being able to see it, complaining their teenage neighbors, their teenage children were going to climb over the fence and steal their marijuana, all kinds of crazy stuff, right? Concerns from the public regarding cannabis grows are insurmountable and never-ending. Just find the key is looking for ways to react to and take care of those issues. Right. So from a practical standpoint, I'd imagine that out of sight is out of mind. So if you can if you can put those plants in a part of the property that is maybe mixed in with a vegetable garden in a corner where it's not easily seen, that's certainly going to help. And as far as the smell goes, you can plant a lot of lavender and cover the smell. You know, things Jasmine like that. also works Jasmine. at right times of the year. Right. You don't need to grow 10, 12-foot monsters because obviously they're going to peek out over your fence and, and draw a lot of attention. So maybe a few smaller plants would probably be a good way to go. But everyone wants to grow a 10 or 12-foot monster, Kyle. So right. if, you're going to, <laughs> if you're going to try to do that, you, you know, uh, having an, an, a communicative relationship with your neighbor, uh, maybe your neighbor's uh, growing as well. Quite often, we found a Sebastopol where quite a number of citizens cultivate cannabis that most often neighborhoods where uh, neighbors were talking to neighbors, uh, there was uh, the most success and least chance for problems occurring. I suppose it could go either way, but seeing as it is your legal right and we don't have to hide anymore, it's probably much better to confront your neighbor on a friendly basis and who knows, maybe it'll bring you actually closer. I've seen it happen more than once. <laughs> right. So if you are going to cultivate, whether it's outdoors or indoors, I highly stress growing organically and staying away from chemicals and pesticides. I like to say, if you're going to call it medicine, you better make sure it's good for you. And just because it gives you that feeling in your head doesn't actually mean that it's good for your body. So that's why I preach the mantra of veganics and organic cultivation. It's especially outdoors. It's a really great way because organics is a slow release type of fertilization program, which works really, really well for outdoors as opposed to indoors in buckets where your season is a lot shorter. I encourage everybody, everybody and anybody who lives in a legal state to cultivate some cannabis as it is your right and it is really a very humanizing experience to be able to provide yourself with your own medicine much like it, it is a great feeling to come in from the garden with your own vegetables and provide yourself with your own sustenance if you can manage to provide yourself with cannabis I assure you that the very first time you smoke your own cannabis, it will be a revelation. Can you remember the first time that you got to smoke your own cannabis that you cultivated? I'll never grow my first crop again, Kyle. I can tell you that. It definitely was a special crop. Uh, I don't know that I'll ever master to, to that significance because I don't know I'll ever have the time to put into it the way I did. The amount of time you put into your garden definitely uh, has a result. I have to say, the veganics medicine these days, Kyle, when you were first coming out with that and talking about that in 2008 and seven, even, you know, I was like, yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. And now today, when I see veganic medicine, 
on a menu, it's one of the first things I look at every time. So uh, thanks for pioneering veganics and for bringing them in, and I'm just enjoying them more and more every day as the industry develops. Oh, well, you're very welcome. Thank you for giving me a platform some years ago to expand my own knowledge by teaching others. That's what I found was teaching is really, really my most favorite thing, even even above cultivating, is sharing the knowledge that I've already learned and, and helping others change their lives. And that's why I just wholeheartedly try to get anybody who lives where it is totally legal to cultivate, whether it's putting one small light in your, your closet or just putting some plants out. You know, the season is now changing. This is summertime, and now's the time to go get yourself some seeds or get yourself some clones and put them outside and just let them do their thing. Mother Nature does all the work. All you got to do is provide a little bit of water and a little bit of fertilizing amendment, and Mother Nature does all the rest. South of me, Kyle, down in San Francisco, people just put them on their fire escapes and rooftops as well. So fit your garden in wherever you can. That's right. Right along the herb garden, right along your tomato plant. Everybody needs to be growing some plants. You know, We're humans, people. And if one of our ancestors along the way didn't grow plants, then you wouldn't be here because there were no stores. There were no supermarkets. And we all had to be self-sufficient. And getting some sort of self-sufficiency into your life is extremely rewarding. I can't emphasize it enough. I think we're running out of time here now, and I'd like to give Robert you a chance to maybe mention how people can get in touch with you if they found this conversation stimulating. Tell the people how they can reach you. Yes, Kyle. Thanks for the opportunity. Uh, best way to reach me is via email. I'm at robert at robert-jacob.com. You can go me there anytime. You can also find me uh, Sparks website, www.sparcsf.org or www.peaceinmedicine.org. I'm available and around. I also have Facebook. You can always find me there. I really appreciate being on the show and I look forward to hearing from people. Robert, keep up the great work, man. I know that we're going to see you keep rising in this industry and I am very curious to see what your next move is, what challenge you're going to take on next. Right now, we are out of time, and I want to thank the producers for making this show possible. Please make sure to check out my website, kylecushman.com, where you can find out where to follow me on social media, my upcoming events, subscribe to my newsletter, and a whole lot more. You can find new episodes of The Grow Show by going to cannabisradio.com or subscribe to the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and also on iHeartRadio. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Kyle Cushman, and as always, please stay lifted. The opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast or redistribution without proper consent of CannabisRadio.com is prohibited. 